everybody, and welcome to Volume 3, Issue 130 of the Cana Rinse Podcast. You can play along with Cana Rinse Volume 3, and the next five issues are Hitman, Blood Money, after that, Burnout 3 Takedown, and some Burnout Revenge. Yeah. Following that, it's Street Fighter 2, The World Warrior, The Champion Edition, The Hyper Fighting, The Super, The Turbo, and all that jazz. After that, one of our recently announced uh, podcasts is To The Moon. And following that is Borderlands 2. Head to com for the full schedule, the blog with articles, reviews, features, and links to our merchandise store, our Facebook page, our Google Plus thing, and our YouTube channel. And as usual, please... Please, can you subscribe, review, and rate us on iTunes? Please. Thanks. Now, joining me, Leon Cox, in this issue, we have Tony Atkins. Hello. We have James Carter. Oh, is this Portal 2? I thought it was To the Moon. To, to, to the Moon? No. <laughs> Sorry. I'm trying to. I'm leaving, I'm leaving as long a tumble, tumbleweed as I can. And. <laughs> And Joshua Garrity. Hi, I don't have a bad joke, so I'll just say hello. That's a shame. Uh, I think right at the very top, we need to do a proper spoiler warning for this. It wasn't really necessary with the new Super Mario Brothers games, um, but I think for the for Portal Two, even though I think it's a game that's been played by many, many, many people, um, and probably completed by uh, the majority, um, there is always that percentage who might be tuning in just download every you know they've subscribed like we want you to they've downloaded the latest podcast and they think oh portal 2 that'll be fun but this is a game that uh, i would say can be spoiled and we will be talking about all of it from the start to the end and a load of kind of theories and and various other things surrounding it that will take away some of the magic i, I would suggest so duly warned now, our histories with the game. Uh, did you buy it when it first came out in April 2011, or has it been a more recent thing? Tony? Uh, yeah, brought it out. Brought it day one on the Xbox 360. Uh, played through it pretty much non-stop, uh, and then took a little while to go through the co-op. Uh, played through it again... Was it last week now? Yeah, last last week, played through the single player again. Messed around <laughs> just a couple of, of levels of the, the co-op. Um, but I'll talk more about that later. But yeah, it was day day one purchase for me. Very yeah. excited, obviously. Um, I I really liked Portal. I I have to say, listening back to obviously the the Portal show you did, I I probably wasn't in it as, as much as in love as some other people I know that, that adore that game. Mm. But um, I certainly was excited for the follow up. Um, interesting to see what they how they could expand on a fairly short game and, and whether it maybe it was just a a kind of one hit wonder not that I expected ever really for it to be that but it was interesting to me to see how they could expand on that franchise but uh, yeah very much looking forward to buying it and yeah day one for me Xbox 360 I don't know if there, there was big differences with any of the other platforms I'm, I'm not ah, sure well we'll talk a little about that uh, momentarily um, yes the reviews are already out and about I think uh, the game ranking score for this game is a, is a whopping 95 point something percent a critical darling no doubt um, and I'm sure that uh, was only feeding our excitement James absolutely yeah I was um, there on day one uh, again as with Tony Xbox 360 uh, because for me at the time um, I don't think I actually had a PC that would run I might have had um I probably did, but uh, the the fact that there was co-op in it meant that Xbox 360 was where I was liable to find someone to play with at the time. 
uh, and duly did. Um, but yeah, there was no doubt about this. I'd, I'd enjoyed Portal plenty and uh, was eager for, for this. So yeah, I had this one uh, pre-ordered and it arrived uh, on the very first day. And yeah, I, I got straight into it. Um, played uh, just as Tony did, single player through first and then took a little bit more time over the um, over the co-op. But, uh, but yeah, just lapped all of this up. Uh, Josh, day one? Yeah, uh, my story's pretty much the same as uh, James and uh, Tony's. I bought this on the 360 uh, because, like James, I didn't really have a proper gaming PC back then. Uh, Since then, I have bought the PC copy and played the game uh, a number of times. Mm. Um, uh, Yeah, and... uh, you, well, I was on the Portal show, so people know. I, hopefully, people uh, listen to that podcast and know how I felt about that game. So I was really excited going into Portal Two. Yeah, uh, I was also a day one Xbox Three Hundred and Sixty purchaser. I think since then, um, I at some point I picked it up on Steam, but um, hadn't got round to playing it until uh, the lead up to this podcast. Um, now, this was, um, whereas the port of uh, the Orange Box, and therefore Portal, uh, as we discussed in the previous show, was a, uh, a, a third-party number from an EA team uh, when it was transported over to PS3, uh, things had kind of completely uh, changed around this time because Valve had um, kind of got into bed with Sony. Instead of treating the PS3 as a as a, as a second-class citizen, um, they did their very much their own um, version from the ground up. Uh, they you could actually sign in uh, to a Steam account on PS PSN, I believe. Um, so it was it was optimized. I think it had extra features. There was also uh, there was an, a free add-on um, which utilized PlayStation Move motion controllers, which I assume none of us have sampled. Sorry, Kane and Rinse listeners. Um, Wasn't it cross-buy as well? Then once you if you bought the PS3 version, didn't you get the Steam uh, version? Yeah, unlocked on free? Steam if you yeah. link to your Steam right. account. I think yeah. I do remember now because a lot of people were arguing the reasons why I would be picking up the 360 version over the PS3 because of that, and it was just simply because different people to play co-op with it was just right. easier at the time. You know, a direct comparison performance to performance. Uh, I couldn't tell you because I've never played the PS3 version. I don't think any of us have. No. no. So uh, I'm sure they are out there on um, Digital Foundry if, if Lens of Truth is still going, I don't know. But um, for those who are interested in that sort of technical minutiae. Um, but yeah, basically... I would, I would have to tr- say, having played around with the PC version now, I think, yeah, that that would probably be the copy to, to seek out if you really wanted to play Portal 2 for the first time. The, it looks... Yeah. Resolution is a lot yeah. higher. Yeah, it looks a lot smoother. Games. Yeah. Really, Valve games are kind of PC games at heart. Yeah, the 360 version so. is absolutely fine, yeah. um, uh, even if it is the, the lesser of, of the four versions, I guess, if you include a the OSX version. So my recent playthrough, uh, by comparison, was on my PC, which is 18 months old, and yeah, everything obviously turned up to absolute maximum um, using the um, the GeForce um, uh, NVIDIA control panel thing, which optimizes games for you um, based on your system spec, um, and uh, it, yeah, it just automatically set everything to absolutely maximum. Um, obviously, uh, I've I've only got a screen that's uh, 1080 so I, so I don't need to try and run it in higher resolutions than that which I imagine looks even more glorious but just having all the you know anti-aliasing and, and effects and, and detail and depth and all that up to maximum made it made it look very lovely indeed yeah 
Um, so, yes, all versions came out uh, April 19th to 21st, 2011, except the Linux version, which is a beta, <laughs> which came out in February this year. Um, I assume this is something that Valve are doing. Uh, is it to do with, might be to do with Steam machines? I don't know. Yeah, it is. Yeah, that's a SteamOS yeah, is, a, is a Linux Steambox. reskin, essentially. Right. Uh, yes, yeah, so, of course, um, as again, as we discovered, discussed before with Valve games um, they have this uh, very sort of um, egalitarian almost communist uh, way of presenting their credits um, in the same way that they purportedly run the company although some insiders have said it isn't quite as um, equalistic if that's a word as all that yeah it's not as flat maybe as as it's portrayed Um, but uh, we have learned through uh, internet investigation um, the credits are kind of out there for this game and the director is one Joshua Weir um, and the writers, again, Chet Falasek, uh, Ted Kozmatka, Jay Pinkerton, and Eric Walpole. Um, the lead artists, apparently, Jeremy Bennett and Randy Lundine. Um, but we are honoured to have among our listenership a regular listener, Matt Charlesworth, who is a 3D modeler, I believe, at Valve. So um, I hope he's listening. And we're really about to lay into Portal 2. So. <laughs> especially <laughs> that art, yeah. Especially those 3D models. Um now, one of the first things I wanted to talk about was, because I was prompted by our listener and regular correspondent, Xavier Shandy, uh, these um, augmented reality promotional developments that happened before the game came out. Uh, now, I was completely unaware of these. I don't tend to follow games before they come out too closely. I like to be more surprised than that. Um, but uh, he was he was very keen that we, we talk about these, so we're going to. Here we go. Uh, he says, Portal 2 has the distinction of having two alternate reality games related to its release. The first ARG involved two small updates to the original Portal, the first charge radio transmission frequency to com- comply with federal and state spectrum management regulations added the transmission received achievement, while the second added valuable asset retrieval, which correlated to the new scene at the end of Portal, uh, which we discussed last time, where the party escort bot finally catches up with Cho and drags her back into the complex. Sadly, says uh, Xavier, I missed out on the first ARG, but the second remains one of my greatest game-related achievements. On April the 1st, 2011, the Potato Sack Bundle debuted on Steam. It was a collection of 13 indie titles, all of them updated with silly potato-themed jokes and levels. I picked up a few of them and was perplexed when weird phrases started popping up that sounded surprisingly like things GLaDOS would say. It wasn't long before the great Potato Fool's Day ARG was uncovered and many of us joined together in a community to solve the puzzles and help GLaDOS get Portal 2 finished. Without going too far into it, the ARG spanned over two weeks leading up to Portal 2's release and involved doing absolutely ridiculous things in the 13 Potato Sack games to obtain potatoes that were linked to your Steam profile. If you worked hard enough, you could get all 36 potatoes, including the coveted golden potato, of which uh, only roughly 2,000 people finished, including me. I got caught up in the excitement of the game early on and spent many long nights ignoring the work I should have been doing to instead hunt for potatoes and solve insane puzzles. When Portal 2 unlocked at midnight on the 19th, I was practically foaming at the mouth to play it. I started with the multiplayer for Portal 2 since one of my best friends was still awake when the game unlocked. We played, we played roughly three quarters of the multiplayer in one sitting. 
The next day I skipped all of my classes to play through the single player in one sitting and then finish off the multiplayer that night. I took the next day off to do it again and unlock all of the achievements. I returned to the game several times for the extended multiplayer DLC and the perpetual testing initiative. So yeah, I really wasn't... Well, I remember vague, hearing vague rumblings about potato-based uh, shenanigans, but I, I wasn't involved in any of that. Was anyone... Uh, not involved, no. I remember hearing about it, um, and particularly the potato um, sack bundle uh, then led into, I'm not sure if it was numbers of potatoes had to be accrued, but the idea was the more people that played these uh, games from the potato sack bundle, um, the earlier Portal 2 would be released. Yeah, that was it. They were going to move it forward on Steam, the problem being if they moved it too far forward, then everyone who was buying retail copies would rightfully, arguably, get uppity. Um, so it, it essentially ended up moving it forward, I think it was by a few hours or something. It wasn't. Yeah, I remember the internet furore about that and the fact that yeah. obviously these were potatoes in games so they were kind of almost tempting you to buy games which you maybe not had already just to get... But once again, it, it was a fun thing. I remember seeing... I didn't participate in it but I, I remember the, the internet having fun and just a ridiculous... nobody knew what the potato thing was then anyway so like, what was potatoes to do portal 2 um but it was they were just being very clever with their once again with their marketing and, and getting the excitement up for yeah. for a game of their own and, and it worked beautifully because yeah. wh- whether it was good or otherwise the response to it it got people talking about portal 2. well when when you got the websites that need you know a story a day that, that gave them two or three stories a day for nothing yeah. it was yeah. very clever I'd, I was reading a little bit about the the ARG or ARGs, I suppose, earlier on today. I found it interesting that point one on one of these one of the sites I was looking at said the potato three theme comes from taking R, L, and W out of Portal Two, written obviously two as as the word rather than the number. Mm. <laughs> I don't think that's where the theme came from. I think that's no. stance, perhaps. Yeah, yeah. The theme is no, far I, more obvious for where the potato yeah. comes from once the game yeah. is being played. Yes, yes, yeah, and the whole yes. I, I, I mean, I, I don't know, you know, the writing process. Whether the the potato battery stuff went in there first, and then they thought, you know, what would be funny? We'll make, we'll put Glados into a potato battery, or they thought, you know, what would be funny, and so on. But uh, maybe we'll find out. Uh, another pre-release item, which is now included as part of certainly the PC version of the game. Um, I'm not sure about the console ones, but is the uh, the the graphic novel or comic uh, Lab Rat, um, which I, again I didn't read at the time. We sort of touched on it in the in the Portal One show. In that it is the thing that um, it bridges uh, it bridges events between Portal One and Portal Two, and features uh, the Rat Man or Doug Ratman. Um, and uh, shows him he sort of he within it he sort of you see his life as a uh, an aperture uh, lab assistant I guess um, and he ends up sort of uh, he kind of wants out and he wants to kind of bring the downfall of aperture and he ends up sort of deifying Chell um, and it's actually him who's responsible for. Um, cryo freezing her for the nine 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 or whatever it is days um because he knew that he had to do that to prevent her from being uh killed basically like all the other the human test subjects um and so the the story right from him being a sort of uh peripheral character he becomes crucial to to events i have to say i really don't like it when video games do this when they yeah. have essential story elements 
hidden away in a comic book that's mm. not in the main game. Um, I believe. Is it essential though, yeah, or is it? Say, I, I think that's my issue: is that none of this is remotely essential. It's gilding that character into something that he never was. Yeah, I I do think um, one thing that does annoy me about Portal Two is that there's not. In game, there's not really an explanation as to why Chell is in this uh, cryogenic freezer, other than mm. uh, because she is, and, and I, can, I can accept that because what follows after is pretty good uh, narratively. But I just, I, so many games do, like I think um, Halo's done it with the mm. novels Audio and stuff books, like yeah. that, and uh, Batman: Arkham City's been guilty of doing that as well, where mm. a lot of the Backstory for that game was hidden in the comic book series. I, I re- look. I like extended fiction. I like when people, um, you know, take the fiction from a game or a movie and expand upon it. But when when the actual game or movie comes around, please don't rely on people reading the comic book or whatever to understand what's going on. It's also interesting you saying like, you know, is it really needed? I, I think that the thing is, if that stuff was actually in the game, it not necessarily presented in a comic. But but if it opened, if it was somehow interweaved into that opening section, we wouldn't be sitting here saying, "Oh, they should have taken that out because we didn't need that extra stuff." I think that extra stuff is interesting within itself, um, and you know, listening to other people talk about it and reading it myself, it's it is well worth while just to to fill in the blanks where it seems a little loose at the start. Um, so I, it's something I would like to see waving in there, but. The fact that it's not there, I don't, I don't think it does the game any disservice. It not being there, but I like that stuff. I, I would prefer to see it in the game rather than hidden away uh, in the back door somewhere. Yeah, yeah. Um, but there it is. Um, it's out there. You can read it. It's part of your game. Although it actually it crashed my um, crashed my copy of the game when I tried to just view it straight from the PC. So I ended up going to that the was website. the Ratman himself. Yeah. Uh, there's also um, we'll talk about the music shortly but uh, there's a rather nice um uh am- I say amateur it's really well done but uh, a video for the nationals song for the game XL vilify which also um which tells that story with with um graf- uh, sort of stop motion animation mm. so that's out there um yes Alicia Glidewell returns as Chell now um I'm such a fan of voice acting trivia as you all know um that I found out that she she voiced Crystal in Star Fox Assault on the on the uh, yeah on the, uh, that game we talked about um some time ago so although obviously she's mute in this um she is the image of Shell she looks like Shell uh she also yes yeah, she was also in Sly Raccoon Sly Cooper 2 Band of Thieves so she has done voice work um although they actually changed the appearance of Chell a little bit this time around in terms of facially I think I'm right in saying possibly it is still it's still it's the still same, same actress yeah but they must yeah. have changed the model that they, they put over the top of that I guess once again um, this game comes with a, a, a very full um, developers commentary um, which goes all the way through the game uh, uh, fortunately you can still nab achievements while you're playing with the developers commentary on so you can sort of replay it and you do can't achievements save, and though, which is really annoying yes you can't save um, you can play by chapter annoying. by chapter and I, I started off yeah. doing that and um, had a couple of chapters on the PC and then didn't save and I, well luckily I could pick up a, a save from my old 361 yeah. and continue from there but it was that, that yeah. was I don't know why I mean, it just seemed disappointing that you, you can yeah. just you'd have to play a, maybe a two hour two and a half hour stint to get to an end of a chapter, then to continue on, although they get progressively yeah. longer, I guess. But. 
Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, but in there, they were talking about um, uh, Chell's appearance is slightly altered in that she's mm. sort of tr- she's starting to throw off the shackles of Aperture by um, by taking off half her boiler suit and uh, and things like that. And they've given her upgraded um, springy boots, whatever they're called, shock absorber type type things. Um, but yes, again, anyone who enjoys listening to this type of a podcast will surely be interested in in Valve's developer commentaries because they're a rich mine of information of how you know and the process that particularly a, a developer as as thoughtful and conscientious as as Valve go goes about making all these levels there's there's stuff that they've thought about that you haven't but it you but it's been there in your subconscious because they planted it there basically um so the first new character you meet uh, unless I'm very much mistaken is Wheatley who is a comedy robot? Yeah, let's discuss weekly personality. <laughs> personality sphere. Yes, a comedy robot. I like Borderlands. <laughs> right. Um, yeah, Wheatley seems to be the most divisive character in this game, um, mm. and I think it has. Uh, I I think it has a lot to do with who plays him, and. Mm-hmm. Um, the amount of exposure you've had to uh, this actor's past work. Uh, so it's or how much of a fan you are yeah. of his past work. Yeah. Um, well, which way thing. does that work? Have you, have you well, been exposed me, too much to him or too little? Well, which way me, works better? Well, for me, well, I really like Wheatley and it's because I've hardly seen any of Stephen Merchant's oh, work. Oh, right. Okay. Um, and I, I think because I've hardly seen any of his work uh, previous to Portal 2... Um, I just see this character as Wheatley, not mm-hmm. as Stephen Merchant, and I think it allowed me to embrace the character more. But hearing people talk uh, who are more familiar with uh, Stephen Merchant's work, um, it was distracting for them. And I don't know if that's the case with uh, okay. you guys, where because um, I spoke to a few people who said that all they heard was Stephen Merchant and it was really, really distracting having this really well-known actor isn't, in this game. Isn't this the thing with voice actors, though? It, it, we Sometimes you have voice actors and you you don't even recognise that they're you know, the people playing them are the actual people. Um, mm. And sometimes that's good or sometimes, well, that's why, what was the point of paying all the money for that person and then not hearing their voice anyway. It's kind of weird. But um, for me, actually, Josh, I, I was the other way around. I, you know... Obviously, I know it's Stephen Merchant, and I can I can uh, give or take Stephen Merchant. I'd I'd, I'd like some of that, you know, certainly the the you know him and Ricky Gervais's work. Some of it I like, some of it I don't like. Some of it really turns me off. Some of it I love, and so it's a real love hate relationship I have with with the the duo. But I really like Stephen Merchant himself, and I've watched a couple of his comedy shows. Um, I'd say I'm, I'm generally a fan of his work, and actually the fact that he played Wheatley was a thing that I, I kind of made me like him a little bit more and endured, endured a little bit more to him. I I thought I could almost see Stephen Merchant's face on Wheatley, but and Stephen Merchant's has got a really ridiculous kind of overblown face as it is, you know, very <laughs> characterised face I'd say. Um, so it actually I, it played a little bit more into the fact that I, I kind of liked the fact that he embodied the character, and um, you know, my wife Liz she. She can't stand the, the duo that is <laughs> um, Stephen Merchant and Ricky Gervais um, for many reasons. I think it's awkward humour, but she gelled to Wheatley really, really well. She 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 mm. found the humour really in, um, engaging. So 
I, I don't know if there is a correct answer to it or if there is a, a, a formula that you can or, or you know don't like him. But for me, no, it's it's a character I I really did warm to. Well, the thing I really liked about Portal Two in general is that um, with with Portal One it kind of experimented with one style of comedy, which is Glados's very dry, passive aggressive comments. Whereas with this game, they had three characters who kind of did different styles of comedy. It's very much broader overall, mm, though, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Um, Wheatley's much broader, but I think that works for the introduction of the game. Um, he's the first character you meet, and it's like you're being lightly introduced to this world with much simpler jokes. And then when GLaDOS takes over... Um, it. I think the game has the confidence to try drier, much mm-hmm. more subtle jokes um, as the game goes along. I like Wheatley. Um, I, I do. Un- the thing is, I do understand where people are coming from when they say they're not a fan of the character. It's just that I I didn't know much about Stephen Merchant other than he existed before this game, and it just meant that I. Yeah, I, I I just saw the character as Wheatley and and nothing else, and he fitted into that universe for me. Yeah, so for me, uh, I've I've mixed feelings on it. In that, um, now my opinion of Stephen Merchant isn't necessarily that critical. Like I loathe and detest Eddie Murphy, but I love Donkey out of Shrek. You know, it's like <laughs> you'd, Eddie Murphy seems to be a vile character, um, and his stand-up was deeply offensive. But Donkey out of Shrek is really funny. He's really cute and he's really lovable. And and the dragon that he played in Mulan, yeah, Mulan as well. Yeah. Um, so it wouldn't necessarily be an an issue. Um, where I stand on Steve Merchant is that I think The Office is is one of the funniest things, most most beautiful comedy shows ever made and ever written. But everything him and Gervais have done since has been slightly worse. Um, to the point that I'm really not a fan anymore of of anything that either of them does now um and i do get distracted by it clearly being Stephen merchant but i also i like the way that um they've just used his completely normal voice with his bristolian accent which makes him sound pretty much unlike any other character in any game ever mm-hmm. um and the way that they've mar- managed to marry his shtick which is frankly very similar to gervais's shtick i mean they obviously just you know fed off each other and aped each other to a point but also managed to marry it and blend it with some really high quality valve writing telling the story um, and uh, and you know I would be lying if I said I hadn't chuckled several times throughout the game on, on both times I've played it through but I'd also have to say that yes I was constantly conscious of Stephen Merchant rather than thinking this is a great new character so I think it I think it sort of cuts both ways for me James what about you on this uh, much more like uh, you I think Leon um, I was a massive fan of The Office. I listened to all of, uh, tellingly, the podcasts that Ricky Gervais and Stephen Merchant did. And so I was used to not necessarily associating Stephen Merchant's voice with his face, but Mm. having that voice in my ears a lot. So as soon as... Well, I knew about the casting beforehand, but as soon as the character started talking to me, it was Stephen Merchant's voice. They clearly cast him to just play him... Not himself, but to use his his voice. Um, Yeah. They didn't ask him to put on any kind of style or um, any kind of alteration to his voice, unlike, say, Nolan North, who, for um, two of the characters he plays, certainly was asked to 
to do something very different from what at that point he was known for. Um, I think in terms of what Josh is saying, at the time he just started doing the Lloyds Bank adverts. Um, so there was a lot Barclays, of uh-huh. that's where people know this Sorry. voice from as well. Sorry, Leon. I think it's, I think it's Barclays. Oh, big pardon, it might be. <laughs> I, I, can th- I can envisage him saying it. He'd, Sorry. Yeah, he'd, uh, he'd just started doing adverts that I guess were only in this country because it's for a British bank. Um, uh, and so a lot of people um, associated his voice with that and that wasn't necessarily a good association to have when you're being introduced to this new character. Um it didn't bother me necessarily, although I was very aware it was always his voice, not necessarily. So detaching his voice from him and, and thinking of it as Wheatley just wasn't going to happen for me because I was too familiar with it. Um, but it didn't necessarily affect my opinion of the character. I, I just was aware of the voice in the same way that um, I suppose if I watched Tom Cruise in a film, it's been a long time since I saw anyone but Tom Cruise Mm. It's not a character it, because it's not. It's him. I, I can't get past it. Um, in this case, it didn't. It wasn't detrimental in the way that it has been with with Tom Cruise in particular. How much? Uh, no, just how much involvement did um, Stephen Merchant have with the actual writing of Wheatley as a character? Because it, it comes across, mm. as you said, very much like it's his own kind of stand-up stick. Just it's very much Stephen Merchant, and I. And I He's not credited as a writer no, at all. No, so I think if, um, if if it is entirely done by Valve, I think that was somebody that obviously knew his, his comedy very, I, very well. I think they probably let him uh, you know, do some of his yeah. own thing in the, in yeah. the audio. Yeah. I, I get the feeling, because there are several sequences in uh, Portal 2 where if you stand around and do absolutely nothing... Mm. Wheatley will talk at you for ages and ages and ages before ever repeating anything he says. So I have to imagine that Stephen Merchant was ad-libbing a bit because there are certainly, I think, uh, scripted moments that they want uh, Valve wanted to hit, but at a certain point, there's no way they scripted all of that (laughs) dialogue. That would have taken so long. (laughs) But um, yeah, um, I think they married it well, though. it doesn't. It, for me, it didn't feel out of place. His style, um, at least. Well, then again, I'm not the person who knows the uh, the actor that well, so I don't. But know. but but the point still stands, Josh. Um, that a lot of people playing this game may not be familiar. Um, I, I think at the time on Twitter, it seemed like there was a big divide uh, in America where people were kind of familiar with him, but not necessarily maybe as much as people in Britain were. Um, it seemed like there was a much more positive response to his performance, whereas in Britain, this is, ju- again, just anecdotally what I remember at the time, it seemed like people in Britain were more familiar with him and therefore less accepting of him or his it, voice as, as Wheatley, perhaps. It's also such a hard one, because I'm, I'm trying to think of it now and trying to think of, OK, well, if Stephen Merchant wasn't playing Wheatley, who would play that role? And mm. the dialogue seems so entangled with his own performance yeah. that I can't see anybody else in that weekly role and for me i enjoyed that role I, I actually think you know there's there's certain parts of the opening of portal 2 which are pretty slow to get going and without the the humor of some of the weekly moments i think it would have been a, a slightly less of game because of it so for me yeah, i think it's, it's a positive character, yeah. character um but you know I, i'm not if forgive my ignorance but are there um are there dubbed versions of this for other languages or is it just uh, subtitles if you, if I'm not you sure. haven't got not sure. if you haven't got audio I, I, I honestly don't know i would assume 
Because it's not to assume everyone's yeah. got their um, everyone's got their, their personal you know taste, all the big yeah. stars have got their no um, everyone's got their kind of their uh, standard um, voice standing in in other mm. countries. Oh, sorry, so, like, so the, what you mean yeah. The guy, yeah, yeah, the guy yeah. who is Bruce Willis in Spain or Italy or somewhere is like Willis. a celebrity. Yeah. yeah, he's like the guy who is Bruce Willis <laughs> over there. That kind of thing. So uh, we could get to that point in games one day. I, I'm I sure was, we was going to say, I assume it's just subtitled, but that's just my p- personal preference. Yeah. That yeah, it yeah, would yeah. be subtitled yeah. if it were, a, yeah. you know, a foreign language. Uh, I think it is. I've not heard of any any tales of, um, of localized versions. So, but. Um, a couple of things I was just quickly going to say on on this particular performance. There's a character in Dark Souls Two that I am bound to mention <laughs> because I have to mention Dark Souls Two, um, who <laughs> is, has a Bristolian accent. And when he first started talking, my immediate reaction was, "Oh, I wonder what this character would sound like if it was Stephen Merchant doing the voice." I don't know why particularly, but firing up Portal Two again. Uh, at the weekend, I was again, I was reminded of that. Thinking, I would like to hear him in other games, not necessarily just doing his own voice. But I enjoyed this performance, and I, I think it it made me want to to see him doing more like that. Um, and the second thing um, was to the to the point about the uh, how broad this particular one of the, the sort of tripods, if you like, of comedy uh, in this game. I think what it does allow having um, Cave Johnson and Wheatley in as different forms of comedy is it allows them to go even darker than they did in Portal with GLaDOS mm-hmm. because mm, you've got yeah. counterpoints to that without it being six hours mm. of just desperately dark humour that if that's not your style of humour it's really going to rub you the long way, wrong way but it, it, I mean Portal originally had a lot of dark humour in it and a lot of sarcastic dry humour but I think it does allow them to go further with that without the overall humour of the game suffering in the eyes of some people so I think that's potentially why it may be a broader form of humour that you're introduced to initially as well because it makes a nice counterpoint so as you say, uh, James, uh, of course, Ellen McLean is back as GLaDOS, but also the turrets, and uh, and also a character called Carolyn, who we'll discuss further. Um, and yeah, her role has kind of um, ex- expanded in a way in that, uh, you know, there, there are twists and turns, and here's where the spoilers start. Um, there are There, there is a, a key point in the game where it goes from being you and Wheatley teamed up against GLaDOS to you and GLaDOS teamed up against Wheatley. Um as uh, you know they fo- you form an uneasy alliance with this potato battery version of glados um and by the end you've almost you know you've pretty much made a truce um there's stuff that we'll look into which actually makes this whole thing deeper and more interesting if you believe in the in the theories um but Overall, I think Glados, you know, she has a rather than being this um, this cold, calculating automaton, she becomes more of a more of a personality in this game, and this ties in with the fact that uh, over time you learn, as you learn the history of Aperture and this man called Cave Johnson and this uh, assistant called Carolyn, um, that uh, she was once a, a human being. Yeah, um, I have to say, this is by far my favorite part of the game glados anything with glados in portal 2 is frankly for me just really amazing um i think she's much scarier in this game than portal 1 in in portal 1 she's a, like a darkly comic presence but i never got the sense she, she was a good character but it, i felt like it was um it was more just really good writing all the way through the well, game she, rather she was... than 
She was just going through the motions testing, where in this, she, yeah. she has a resentment of you, a bitter yeah, resentment. A mo- you, killed emotive, her. Yeah. Yeah, you killed her in a fire, and she wishes for you to suffer the same fate. That's a slightly different direction on a, on a AI chip than just, oh, we're just doing another test. Oh, that went wrong. Yeah. Rather than, yes, I wish that these tests to actually kill you, but I'm going to play with you first. I'm not just going to yeah. let you... You know, you die at an easy death. It's going to be a hard death, and you keep outwitting her until the point where you end up becoming uh, like a buddy movie, which is it's it's very clever. I, I the first time um, I saw the sequence where Wheatley and you uh, resurrect her from the dead, um, I was genuinely ten, tense yeah. through that scene because <laughs> mm. Ella McLean's performance is so creepy and unsettling. Um, and I think she gets more of an opportunity to act in Portal 2 mm. than she did in Portal 1. It, it felt like in Portal 1 she was just delivering funny lines uh, in a you know very well, but um, they were just these golden lines of comedy. Whereas in this, she has these great lines peppered in throughout, uh, throughout that are just designed to creep you out like they're not designed to make you laugh they are designed to put you on edge um and it, it started making me think of um i've forgotten the uh, computer's name in uh, system shock 2 uh showdown that's what it is yeah. it really felt like they were channeling mm, showdown, yeah. uh, showdown mm. in this game more so than portal one um yeah just all the way through and like later on um she gets depowered. She becomes a potato, but I, I don't think that diminishes how threatening she was <laughs> earlier on. No. And when when she um, eventually escapes her potato form and you know uh, is back to her old self, you still you're reminded of oh yeah. I remember what she was like before. Maybe I should have left her in the potato. <laughs> um, I, I think it's it's frankly uh, amazing on Ella McLean's part that. Despite being a potato for half of this game, she still manages to maintain a threatening presence throughout. Um, it, yeah, it's I I think she deserves all the plaudits she gets for her performance. It, it's really good. Another humorous character, um, and again, absolutely crucial to the fleshing out of the Portal universe, which, as we know. Uh, does seem to share an existence with the Half-Life universe is uh, Cave Johnson um, played by J.K. Simmons who people will probably best know uh, from the Sam Raimi Spider-Man movies as uh, as the newspaper editor whose name temporarily escapes me J.J. J. Jonas Jameson of course Um, uh, you know and for me he was a highlight in those movies um you know with yeah. a, a very you know um kind of it's kind of an over the top performance but it felt very uh, it felt very right for a comic book movie to me um and voice wise um certainly in the early stages he, he does a fairly similar um sort of delivery this he's very um very bullish and defiant and despite the fact that evidence in in the in the trophy room shows you that um even when it was set up in the late 50s or early 60s that aperture science was always behind black mesa was always uh, yeah. second I place to black mesa 49 is the first 49 right okay. trophy whatever right and yet there's lots of runner-up right. trophies which yes. is, is wonderfully childish because yeah. you don't get science and achievement trophies as companies and adults for second place. Yeah, 
Yeah. Um, and I found actually playing it through again this second time, three years on, I think, you know, this is this is why we try to leave, why, why we, we chose to leave a gap uh, between games coming out and doing them on Cane and Rinse for a number of reasons. But one of them is uh, getting away from that period of, uh, you know, constant hype um, that comes around, especially a game that got 95% reviews everywhere. Um, playing it again now, rather than thinking, make me laugh, this is going to be funny, make me laugh, be clever, make me laugh. Uh, you know, it's like three years on, and I'm, it's just constantly being clever and making me laugh without me kind of thinking about it. And uh, I think, I, if anything, I appreciated, I appreciated everything about it more this second time around. I think at the time, actually, it was a surprise for me. Um, I'm not sure why particularly, because Portal made me laugh. Um, right. not necessarily all the way through in which, which Portal 2 did much more of I think I think the re- the reason also the, the comedy is more in your face is because the narrative is more in your face um, yeah. in, in this game as, as well I think for me um, that there aren't many games that uh, really combine humour with um, like the gameplay, gameplay and, and yeah. the environment and stuff like that Like one of the funniest moments in Portal 2 for me is uh, when you're being tested by GLaDOS, and most mm-hmm. of the testing rooms you're going through are really dirty and swamp. You know, they've got water on the floor and there's mold all over the place. And then you enter a testing room, and she's going, and she suddenly goes, "This room is looking pretty good." And then you enter <laughs> it, and it's all nice and shiny and clean. And that made me laugh. For it. And it's a simple, you know, a really mm. simple joke. But it was just really well timed, and they really fought um, about um, integrating the writing with the level design. Um, yeah, so not that's many key throughout. Games do, do that. The way that when when Wheatley's taken charge and he decide he needs basically he needs a kind of drug like fix of you solving uh, test mm. chambers, which is what what keeps him going. The way that the way that those chambers look, and the way you know, like the way he's kind of hastily scrawled test on the wall in lights, and uh, and he's made all these sort of um, grotesque hybrid cube cum like turrets and all this one, stuff. It's incredibly easy. Yeah. Just yeah. straight away, and he's like, "Well, the, didn't the, you do it that fast." Like, the the, com- the commentary for that section of the game is really interesting because they base those levels on student uh, levels that, when they first right. got their hands on game engines, the kind of levels <laughs> that students would make for the first time. So there's like big text all over the place, clearly saying, <laughs> "This is where you're meant to go," and it's really obvious what you need to do. So um. I, I think that that's a really uh, fuck. So it's funny on two levels. It's like he yeah, yeah, is yeah. a character, but also it speaks to um, you know game design in general, the kind of mistakes that uh, level mm. designers make early on in their career. Yeah, that's extraordinary. Because um, yeah, again, you know whether you whether you play through because and you're you know the kind of gamer who's either been doing it a long time or just has an eye for this sort of thing or has learned a bit about it through exposure. Valve's level design to me is like gobsmackingly clever in that there are so many, you know, P- Portal 2 overall, the levels are much bigger and and more convoluted. And uh, some of our correspondents would actually question whether they are kind of more, whether they're more intricate or whether actually they're just bigger, which is obviously not the same thing. But I still find myself, even though I know how I kind of, I know some of the tricks, I still find the way that they guide you through this, this game that, it makes you feel like you're in this enormous uh, labyrinthine place with these insane uh, literal and metaphorical hoops that you have to jump through. 
you still sort of find your way through. You virtually never get properly stuck. Um, you know, you will get stuck at points. This is, after all, in the end, still a first-person puzzle game, albeit one with a story and everything. Okay. Um, but so, Angel. But um, but yeah, so many points where it's guiding you with this invisible hand and giving you clues, audio and visual that you might not only only aware of on a subliminal it's, level. It's uh, majestic. I, we're talking more when you talk about gameplay, but for me, I think they they touch maybe on a little bit too too much guidance in the single player. Uh, right. in the co-op I, I think that's where they, they truly shine with their, their level design but you know I, I understand why I, I really do and I, I think that but that's for me why the story and the humour that is throughout Portal 2 is that much more important where in Portal 1 I found it a lovely you know an, an extra bit on, on top of a really interesting game I, I think yeah, in Portal yeah. 2 it's, it's of absolute importance that they they got that stuff right because actually when you, you study the single player of Portal 2 it's kind of broken down into to three areas or three kind mm-hmm. of quite you know defined chapters um, and there's a lot of walk, uh, wandering around between those chapters so in, unless they, they actually filled you know you, you, there's plenty of stuff to work out from the environment and that stuff I love but in, you know it's not just pu- so, uh, puzzle solving it is actually a little bit more exploration uh, even if it is using a portal gun to get up to higher places you know it's not purely just puzzle solving so I think the, the yeah. humour and the writing has to be top notch otherwise it, it would have kind of collapsed around itself for one idea I definitely um, yeah came out of it um, both times thinking that it never got as complex puzzle wise as I was kind of expecting mm. it to but then by the same token um, I'm glad it didn't because it meant I got to see the whole of the story without getting horribly frustrated and also every kind of brilliant conceivable level that people could come up with they're all there to play now mm-hmm. in the community stuff so any any wonderful combination of, of, of lateral thinking the kind of things I could never come up with there's you know there's I don't know how many levels there are in the community levels but I'm guessing hundreds or th- well probably thousands i don't know if it's if it's more but because they they put in that feature um i assume then that's not in the console versions or is it in the ps3 version i don't know i'm not sure i just went straight to this thing i know there's an I extra don't, section i don't think it's in the 360 the, version, the, the problem valve always had probably. with left for dead as well um remember yeah, they had the deal yeah. with left for dead where they could have the first dlc free that's right. but then they yeah. had to start charging and they couldn't put achievements yeah. in unless they charged so um, I think at that at that point after that game Valve sort of shied away from mm. DLC because to their credit I, I think um, they've always made extra um, modes and DLC and extra content um, free on, on the PC versions of the game through Steam they just add it in and it's there in the game um, yeah. uh, and they didn't want to, to break that tradition with, with 360 so I'd be very surprised if much of the DLC or um, extra added content made its way it's, onto the yeah. it's easy to do when you own the platform well, that it's been released on but yeah oh yeah absolutely yes. yeah. my point being that mm. um, if, if, if there was a kind of, you know if, if, that, if it wasn't enough playing through the single player game of Portal 2 there are you know basically more levels than you could ever possibly I, complete and, and sortable by quality as well I also so. think people have, have have, like to pick themselves up a bit more than probably what reality is. Oh no, I solved that puzzle instantaneously. There, there was times in Portal, even through um, Portal Two in the single player, where it, I was stumped for a little while. I'm thinking the one with oh yeah, it's certainly when they start introducing gels in the, in the latter phases. I'm thinking the one mm. with the cube box and trying to get the the cube out of the box. You have to learn a few yeah, new tricks. Like, oh, they've got to yeah. bounce out of there, of course, and yeah, that stuff. Yeah. When you do it, the, when you haven't done it 
the first time. You're thinking, well, how do I get the cube out of the box? And then you're playing ah. through once. Um, I can't remember how many times I got, you know, heavily stuck the first time. This time, um, I, I played it entirely through without ever looking up a solution uh, until I got to one quite near the end. Um, which was one where you basically have is really you know it's one of those that was almost so simple I missed it. It was one where you have to use a light tube to go up to the ceiling and then drop yourself from there into a into a portal to fling to fly out of somewhere else. I was basically looking for things that on the level that weren't there, and that was the only one time I I, I cheated. Basically, I was quite I was quite pleased because as we've discussed before, playing replaying a game with puzzles can actually be more frustrating than playing it the first time. In some yeah, ways, you know you you know you knew how to do this, and it's yeah it's a exactly. reminder of what you've forgotten almost. You know, um, but I, yeah, there were still rooms where I was hang, walking from one yeah. end to the other for ages and trying things out. Yeah, um, I think importantly for me, because with a lot of other puzzle games they don't do this, and I think in in Portal Two it explains a lot about the philosophy of the gameplay and why perhaps there aren't ridiculously complex and intricate puzzle rooms. Um, is that they do not give you hints. I was stuck on um, one of the early rooms actually um, the other day. Uh, one of the first ones where you've got the um, the combination of the lasers, the um, cubes that change the uh, the direction of the lasers, redirection, yeah. and the um, the field that a little hole in the side with a little hole in the side. Yeah. And what you realise <laughs> is that the cube is yeah, only yeah, there yeah. for you to stand on and jump up to the hole and <laughs> pull it through. I, I got stuck and I stood around and for a split second I thought, oh, if I wait long enough, and I know exactly why I thought this, if I wait long enough I'll get a hint. GLaDOS's voice will come on and give me a hint. And I thought this because Naughty Dog tried to do that with The Last of Us, and I apologise Josh they miserably failed it for me. Where Portal don't. What they do is say we are not giving you help because you will solve this and we have given you the information to hand to do it. And the level design is key to that, and the port the the puzzle rooms do have to be arguably slightly simpler than they otherwise might be, because you don't get hint coins like in Professor Layton, you don't get, you know, free tries, free goes, you don't get to use a super guide like you do in New Super Mario Brothers. They they have confidence in their level design and in the tools they've given you and the progression that you have as a player. Um, through the puzzle rooms to to know that if you stand stand around and look for long enough or try things out you will come across a solution well, and you will feel very well, very clever for having done so I, I mean that that's I think that's uh, when you can tell something's really well designed is when you finally figure out the solution after banging your head against it for ages you think oh wait it was obvious why didn't I think of that that's good design um, if it's something like and I I think I'm sure we've all played adventure games where the solution is just completely um, how was I meant to get that um, I, I yeah. there's no way I would have gotten that unless I just threw things together at random and then eventually came across the solution. Whereas with both Portal games, um, the solution is obvious, but sometimes you overthink it. I think that's um, what happened to me a lot in Portal 2, is that I thought the solution was far more complicated than it actually was. And then when I figured it out, I was like, well, God, I'm being an idiot. I I think they they do a really good job, because I think one of the things that hamstrings Portal 
um, well, Portal Two, or both both games really is that with the the Portal gun you have an an in and an out. So essentially, there's only two things that they can play with at any one time. That obviously changes in 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 co-op. But so I think they're clever by introducing the other other elements. So you have the gel, which you know there's three forms of gel, isn't there? You got the the bounce gel, um, the white gel, and the uh, 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 frictionless yeah, so the speed gel, gel yeah. and the white stuff that goes everywhere, so you can use your portal gun a, a bit more freely. And and I think by having those gels, I mean I remember at the time thinking, is this something that's going to play out? How complex is this going to be? And actually, you realise the fact that they they do only essentially have an an, an in and an out, or an entrance and an ex- exit. Um, that with the gels and the light beams and the lasers, uh, that you can actually create three or four different things happening in the room rather than just a simple entrance and exit. Um, so you can put gel through that allows you to get up to a different ledge, but you still need to get the speed to go through the in and the out turret or in and the out portals. But that could take you know five five or six minutes of just putting portals around. Um, the the arena and making different things happen to create one larger event almost like a, the domino effect of of allowing you to do multiple things at once where i think in the first game obviously that they had more of a well you you go through here and maybe you bounce off this you, that allows you to go there so i think that the game design was was you know expertly uh taken forward a step by adding the elements of the gels and the light beams and the uh the, the bits like that I think it was very clever of them to make all of that stuff a part of the environment rather than giving you another gadget too, because it meant that the player's uh, interaction with the world remained simple. It was the effects of their actions that became complex. And uh, I think it really aided the experience, um, especially with puzzles, because it meant okay, there's only a limited amount of things I can do in this environment. So what am I doing wrong? Do you know what I mean? Like, if it was super complex, if you had yeah, all gun these that other could gadgets, spray like yeah. a gun that could spray everywhere, then you'd get lost. You'd you get you get lost in the level design. But because they kept it simple, but had plenty of depth uh, to go along with that um yeah it just it just zipped along and it was a yeah it was very smart because i think at some point in the commentary they did actually discuss the idea of giving the player a gel gun i might be wrong i they might did, be yeah, misremembering is, is it yeah. okay because i'm glad they didn't go down that uh that that road because it would have been far too complex well, it's a bit like your, your conversation on, on portal about having a portal gun in half-life like how much more complex that would make that game and i <laughs> i think yeah you just you have to rein it back a little bit and sit and use what you you actually have within your environment well the, the dirty little secret of that is that had they given you a paint gun what they would have done was given you surfaces that were paintable in the same way that they give you surfaces that are portable um, so by removing that from the player, it doesn't seem like you are being restricted, even though f- for each of the things you mentioned, lasers and light bridges and gravity tubes and, and all the paints, you are incredibly restricted. It's just it doesn't feel like it because... I, it's, it's it's something that actually, um, to me, breaks down the, the environments we have between the games. I, you brought it up a little bit in Portal Show, but in here, certainly when you're traversing the outside environments... You know why there would be walls painted with 
um, you know, the white paint for any reason other than just to allow the the player to move through the environment. But contextually, it never felt quite right that there would be places that I could move through the environment when outside of of testing chambers. Um, and it's one of those ones where it just sometimes it really kind of not irked me. Irked me seems like a too stronger word, but I was like, well, it doesn't really fit within the world which has been created. That the fact that this is stuffs outside the testing chambers, but I want to progress through an environment so I guess I just have to go with it I, I think I, I was willing to forgive it because Portal 2 is a comedy um, if it was in a more serious game like I mean Half-Life 2 <laughs> it, it's interesting because um, uh, I, I've often heard um, Zantiriad, uh, Zantiriad of Game Burst talk about Portal 2 and he says that Portal is less like Half-Life and Portal 2 is more like Half-Life because of these uh, scientific inconsistencies. I kind of feel the opposite. Um, I think Portal 2 is the least Valve game Valve have ever made apart from Dota 2 and uh, Team hmm. Fortress 2. And uh, one thing Zan always brought up that's kind of linked into what you're you're saying, Tony, is the design of um, Aperture Science in that all the old stuff is at the bottom of the facility and all the yeah. new stuff They've is right built at the top, up and up and up. Yeah. Uh, which makes no sense for a facility if you're building new stuff and buried <laughs> down. But I've never had the chance to say this to Zan because I've never been on a podcast with him when he was talking about Portal 2. But I always thought that was part of the joke. I yes. always thought that's They, they do everything science. the most inefficient yeah, way possible. That, that's the entire gag. Yeah, yeah that, they, that's they, the they, joke. That, yeah, yeah. That they, they're completely incompetent at everything they do. Um, so, yeah, absolutely, they would um, build yeah. the new stuff on top of the old. It's the same as um, them having warehouses and warehouses of uh, companion cubes and other and other you know com- cubes that uh, that are being transported endlessly around vacuum pipes. The whole thing is a joke. That's that's the, that's that's the gag. They are the most useless, inefficient company. Um, you know, it's not to say they haven't had any successes, but mo- mostly they're doomed to Frankenstein level failures. Um, almost literally, in the case of um, Space Monkeys, you know, Carolyn Glados. Um, and uh, and in fact that 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 ties in because the whole thing is is um, is is basically a version of the um, Prometheus story, which is also what inspired Mary Shelley's Frankenstein. So it, it, that all ties in perfectly well. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, there's so many reasons why it makes sense that the the oldest stuff is at the bottom because obviously you end up then climbing your way out, which is which is a nice uh, sort of figurative. Uh, representation that's often used in in um, fiction generally, but in video games, to be climbing out of the lowest point. Um, the irony being that as as um, Aperture Science ascended, it actually got more and more desperate and more and more uh, forlorn in it in terms of its own future. Uh, even though yeah, it was Dave Johnson was getting iller and iller with his exposure to the moon yeah, dust yeah, paint exactly. which is what which, which are the portable surfaces um, and and again the the whole the, the moon dust thing I, that's a nice explanation for um why only certain wall, walls are portable because obviously you have that in games where you can it restricts you but doesn't necessarily explain why in this they explain why but it's with something preposterous why why should Moon's just rock. It's, there's nothing special about it. But the notion that moon dust should allow this to happen 
okay, fine, that's that, that's basically a joke, but it pays off at the end in such a way that you think, I don't care if it doesn't make any sense. <laughs> that's the payoff. That's the punchline. And uh, I was listening to, to a podcast uh, recently where it talked about not overthinking jokes because if you do, you're not respecting the fact that the joke just worked in the moment you heard it and laughed. The joke worked. If you overthink it, Absolutely. sure, it falls apart as a lot of fiction like, does. As like most fantasy, yeah, as, as, most almost all yeah, fantasy absolutely. does. If you do that, yeah. as yeah. as everything does, so. Overthink it absolutely if you want to, but don't claim that as a weakness of the, the the fiction here or the joke as a whole. It was ludicrous, so that the joke worked. That's it. That's it. End of end of story. Yeah. It doesn't trying matter. to undermine yeah. the the beauty of absurdity to demonstrate your own intelligence is is folly. You'll you'll ruin so many things in life for yourself, and it's a it's that um you know it's like that character in in uh, in in the office. You know the um the IT guy. You know and the the kind of person who um, Mark Kermode always tells the story about the guy who he was watching Eraserhead with. Eraserhead, you know, famously dark, surrealist movie. And it's only when they got an hour in or whatever it is when the lady starts singing from behind the radiator and he goes, well, that's ridiculous. That wouldn't happen. <laughs> it's like you, you might as well just rule out. You can you scientifically undermine almost all fiction in fantasy. And if, and if, it, if everything has to be scientifically accurate for you to enjoy it, then... Yeah, you're kind of ruling yourself out of a lot of uh, really quite good stuff, including pretty much all the great science fiction from H.G. Wells and all the great horror from, you know, Bram Stoker and Mary Shelley and H.P. Uh, Lovecraft and all that. And, um, yeah, in- enjoy life, won't you? <laughs> <laughs> We're probably running for a shorter time, but how did you feel about the expansion of the Portal world? Because, with you know, you talked about on Portal 1 show the fact that, you know, it was a very contained game. A lot of people felt like Portal didn't need a follow-up. You know, I remember that yeah. at the time saying, no, it's a very, you know, it's a self-contained piece of work, leave it be. Um, and along comes 8 to 12 hours, I guess, you know, depending on how, how much you get stuck. So they expanded Portal to, to a, I'd say, a, a bigger universe. You have all the, the you know, the, you see the building, I guess, of, of Aperture. Um, I mean, I really like that. I, I, I put it in the same way. It, it's maybe not quite the same because but um i'm thinking of that the, the kind of um going to bioshock for the first time and and being blown away and then having that kind of the twist at the end and being you know can you repeat that and you know for for me you know i i, I loved going back and returning to rapture with portal 2 and actually digging a portal bioshock 2 and and hmm. digging deeper in the kind of mythos of the place and the different characters and and all that, and less people were were less intrigued in in that stuff, feeling like they'd been there before. Yeah, um, I had the same feeling with Portal Two that I, I really enjoyed just digging around the place, seeing how this did, you know, this did develop from the ground out, seeing a few more characters. And my problem with Bioshock Two was that it clearly wasn't written by the same people, and therefore in my head it wasn't canon. Whereas in this case, it is. Yeah, and and for me, I would add on top of what Leon said. Um, Bioshock 2 felt like it was desperately trying to recapture what Bioshock uh, was, whereas Portal 2 said, look, there is no point us just having the exact same kind of narrative style as Portal. We've already done it. There's no way we're going to top it. Let's do something different with all these new characters. And so in that sense, I kind of compare Portal 2 to a sequel like Aliens to Alien, Mm. in that that film understood there's no point us trying to top the king of all haunted house movies. Um, Let's make an action movie instead. And both those movies... 
prefer Alien, but both those movies are great in their own right, and I kind of feel the same way about Portal and Portal 2. Um, that hmm. Portal 2 differentiated itself enough from Portal that it validated its own existence, whereas Bioshock 2 didn't do that for me. Hmm. I, I talked about in the in the first Portal how I kind of, I, and, and I still probably overall, certainly before replaying Portal 2, I had more affection for Portal. I like the fact that it left a lot to the imagination and, you know, it didn't spell everything out for you, but... The thing is, Portal 1 still exists. You can still kind of take it in isolation because you know that none of the stuff about, you know, Cave Johnson and and the potential for a relationship between, you know, this Carolyn and Cave and potentially, here's another huge spoiler, they might just be Chell's parents um, and, and all this kind of heavy, deep, complex stuff has been added. My initial response was... Yeah, they're just making – this is fan service and they're making the universe smaller and they're making it less interesting by answering too many questions. But having been back to it, I actually kind of got into all that stuff, reading up on the Easter eggs and the, all the many, many secrets squirreled away and listening to the developer commentary. I think other other developers might not have done – you know, done it so well for, for my liking, but, um, you know, I, I am a huge fan of Val, but that's not because, you know, I'm not biased towards them. Therefore, I love them because of what they do. I'm, this not, is an I'm not one of those of people that, who, yeah. yeah, exactly. This is not like, oh, I love them so they can do no wrong. I've got, there's no one in, in, in my life, in my taste for films or music or anything like that, 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 it, you know, even, even we're supposed to be absolutely, uh, you know zealous about our love of our football team but you know that's not, that's yeah. not the, if somebody if somebody does something wrong or you don't like somebody somebody you know you can still turn against them and if i played a valve game where i thought they'd you know horribly messed everything up i would absolutely say so but you know i think if anyone was going to do what they've done the, the amount of depth and stuff they've put in this as we said this prometheus um allegory this the, the and the schrodinger's cat stuff as well um this concept of uh, that maybe you're committing matricide by by killing Glados because she's actually the um, the uh, you know the cyber embodiment of your own mother. All this stuff that's mm. you know I think well, that's all pretty pretty cool. What stuff. is also more surprising is the fact that it happened on a relatively short time scale, certainly for Valve. Yeah, it's one of the like if you again just thinking purely about the gameplay, you know, which I believe if somebody had just made a game with all those elements um, and all those puzzles just one after the other, it still would have been a pretty excellent game. Thank like, you. Um, yeah. you know, just portals and uh, switches and cubes and gels and and light bridges and yeah, all those things. Fun- I mean, it's actually a, it would still be yeah 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 yeah, and and actually there's a, you know there's a relatively. There's rel- yeah, I mean, there's been Quantum Conundrum and games that have kind of anti-chamber that have been perhaps inspired by or first-person puzzle games. You know, not 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 to take anything away from those games because you know a lot of them are on on our big list of games we'd like to cover because they they absolutely exist in their own right. But um, it's actually a relatively small number of elements, isn't it? That, that this game obviously it's ad- it's probably doubled the number of elements from the first game, maybe more if you include light bridges and the you know the gravity tubes and the gels and the redirection blocks if you think of the actual potential number of combinations it is you know is limitless pretty much um so having been uh, up and down and up and down again and up um ultimately uh the final showdown in this game uh you 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 have teamed up with uh glados still uh, as potato uh spud battery 
uh, against and, and the plan is to uh, depose dethrone uh, personality sphere Wheatley from uh, from the core to get GLaDOS back in charge and save uh, imminent destruction of everything and everyone um, and this uh, has it, it obviously echoes the, the final showdown in the first game but with, with the new elements added the gels being being particularly relevant um, but ultimately it's kind of a it's, it's sort of a repeat but uh, the, 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 the there's new spheres there's the, the 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 knowledge sphere who quotes facts that's funny somehow it's funny I don't know why it's funny um, and of course the famous uh, space sphere who just wants to go to space um, my favourite was the adventure sphere Oh, adventure sphere, yeah. of course, yeah. yeah you yeah. just said really manly things and flirted with you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, are they all played by Nolan North, though? The all of them, yeah. 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 Yes, yeah, all three as, well as, yeah. The, as well as the defective turrets yeah. who are also yeah. funny. Um, yeah, and uh, I mean, the coup de grace is one of the one of the the, ga- the great gaming moments. I mean, it it kind of telegraphs it in the end. Um, and apparently it was originally this this shooting a portal onto the moon thing was an easter egg squirreled away early on in the game Um, and then they were like hey that's so cool we're gonna yeah yeah." Um, I think it it, I think it brought you to it put you on the moon and then killed you basically it was like a game over um, thing if you went through it kind of thing um, turned up on the moon but um, something like that so but in this case uh, the 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 you're actually you want to shoot one in the floor one in the moon and um wheatley kind of gets yeah sucked out into space along with the other spheres of course um yeah it's uh i think it's a a memorable again as as end bosses go like they can be more annoying than fun but this one doesn't last very long and it's got such a such an awesome payoff i think yeah i I think the reason why it's memorable is because they chose to be funny and um and and chose to have that uh you know the moment on the moon rather than making it super challenging we've had the super challenging gameplay with the puzzles already let's just have a nice narrative conclusion uh, to this story and I I think it worked really well yeah it's it's a payoff it's a punchline isn't it It, yeah essentially uh, for the the one big joke arguably that is portal 2 but um yeah, it, that that moment where I mean, I, I, it's absolutely burned into my into my brain. Yes, they they they, they give you enough hints so that you know what's going to happen. You don't have to work it out. It's not challenging. It is basically on rails, kind of. Obviously, you're yeah. in control of shooting the portal, but that moment when it pans up and you see the moon, and I, I remember the the beat that my brain took where I just went no. Yeah. You know that that no, and then really, and and then you try it, obviously, and just yeah, that moment where they've seeded the notion that it's moon dust. They just yeah. hang the camera there, looking at the moon long enough that you think, you just your brain Go takes on, a, it a beat, it you know, it takes a moment, <laughs> yeah, and and then obviously again, you still feel like that was you worked it out yeah. but but what you were working out was what they wanted you to work out obviously yeah. as it always is yeah but i think the yeah. the camera being locked to position is probably an omission that uh, i sus- my sus- suspicion is that they play tested it without that and people didn't <laughs> didn't, do didn't do it yeah yeah but lesser games would have said shoot the portal at the moon shoot <laughs> it now <laughs> whereas valve yeah. still yeah. trusted you the player to figure that out yeah. for yourself 
yeah, which I, I think is impressive. I, I you always use the thing whenever I was stuck in portal, look up. <laughs> always look up. It's bound to be yeah. something. Yeah, up there's there. quite a lot of that. Perhaps, perhaps a little much mm-hmm. in Portal Two of like the find the tiny bit of white surface, you yeah. know, two hundred feet in the air. But um, yeah. yeah, it all leads up to to that moment. Yeah. Um, and then, of course, yes. I mean, the end. The end sequence is multi-part and um, yeah, some strangely emotional. Um, obviously, you have your last. Uh, conversation with with Glados, who basically, you know, says that she's kind of just about come to terms with the idea that she doesn't need to exact her infinite revenge upon you and decides to let you uh let you go on the way out though it's not it's not that straightforward for some reason there's a turret opera uh, at this point <laughs> a piece of music sung to you by first three and then an entire choir of singing turrets including the a soprano turret and uh, and the animal king turret um play the game to it's, find out what that's again, about again it's, <laughs> it's ridiculous and preposterous but it's all been seeded you know you get the the health and safety poster or, or screen early on that says one of the possible outcomes of the apocalypse that's taken place above is that animals now rule in the animal king and they use turrets in the little infogram thing they've got there um, and there there are singing turrets you can find in a hidden area if if you stumble across it one of the easter eggs that we're going to talk about in a sec they're all there and yeah okay it's ridiculous but it's a payoff for what you may well have found earlier what you may have laughed at earlier and as always it just one-ups it slightly by being even more ludicrous in that sort of, as you mentioned, Leon, that Monty Python-esque way where you just think they're not going to go that ridiculous and, of course, they do. Um, but what, the, the the thing about it is, the mm. first time I played it through and I wasn't I hadn't really thought about all the theories and I hadn't made the connection between the initial of Cave and Carolyn and Chell all being the same and all this stuff, um, and I just thought, oh, that's cute. But looking into it, um, and now apparently, um, uh, Ella McNeil is a uh, McLean. Sorry, is a, is a is a good singer as well. Obviously, yeah. she sang with with effects the, uh, the Still Alive song, um, but she can actually you know sing a bit of opera. So she sings the turrets doing this, um, and apparently in the studio, um, you know she came up with these simple Italian lyrics. Um, but when you think about this this story about it, possibly possibly GLaDOS is Chell's mother the lyrics to this song sung by the turrets are uh, along the lines of my dear beautiful girl what a shame what a shame farewell and all this stuff and it suddenly takes on a whole nother level of sort of emotion yeah how cool (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah Um, then you end up in a golden wheat field uh, which is kind of you know the first time you've seen proper outdoors and and Brevier. the companion cube makes its return from mm-hmm. the one that's been chucked in uh, to the incinerator in the first game i guess uh it's a bit charred around the edges then you get uh the new jonathan coulton song want you gone which i think at, at the time i remember some people being kind of disappointed by and i think that's simply because it wasn't still alive but actually i think it's an an expertly crafted yeah. <laughs> pop song i yeah, mean it, it it you know it's very sort of um uh, formulaic in the sen- you know in terms of chord sequences and stuff like that but yeah. again that combination of 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 the sweetness of that pop and the the you know the fact that it's so obviously composed with the everything that happens in the game in mind uh i think it's rather rather and excellent. with still alive in mind of course yeah, i think yeah, that's yeah. the thing still alive people heard first and therefore got the impression that there was 
something special about it and not to undermine the song it wonderful song but they get when when people think of something as special they like it they like to think it's u- unique i say yeah. they like i'm not yeah. one of them i also people, think but Paul, yeah portal just spurred a, a whole load of memes and you know yeah, yeah. cake yeah. um i think the still alive song become very you know iconic so i, I think yeah. trying to top that would have been very very hard for him to but do and i, I, I think, think he does think, a good enough job i think that's what people felt about this song was that they it was it had to live up to that yeah, because and it just they, they did exactly the same, not exactly the same thing, but arguably, you know, song at the end of the game, trying to do the same thing, still alive, did. Therefore, it naturally attracts the notion that it's a cheap imitation, which, no, I, I, I really enjoyed the song, I've got to say. It, it was, it fitted, and it seemed somehow simultaneously more downbeat and hopeful, but I think that's my emotions at the end of the game kind of, kind of, uh, bleeding into that a bit. I do think it's it's interesting that a lot of people felt that they were just trying to emulate Still Alive because, it, like throughout Portal Two, they had plenty of opportunities to reference old jokes that were in the original Portal, like the cake and all that other stuff. They never do it. They never reference cake in Portal Two whatsoever. It, it felt very clear to me all the way through Portal 2. There are some Easter eggs relating to it, but nothing nothing blatant. It's not a main um, through line of the game. It's not, yeah. yeah, yeah. They're not playing on the meme, I don't think, really, yeah. They do burn a a few companion cubes in front of you, or Gladys does. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, and uh, and and then the final uh, bit, of course, is uh, Wheatley floating about in the void um, <laughs> because he's now been detached from from all that power, all that need for dominance and whatever. He's now um, regretting his actions, so he's kind of gone back to the Wheatley that you hopefully liked in the first chunk of the game. Um, but he's also being surrounded by this space sphere, which it also, just beautifully yeah, performs yeah, and animated. Yeah. It's got its dream, and you're, yeah, I almost picture it. Comic timing. Of, yeah, yeah, skipping across the screen, cause it's so happy. Yeah. Um, but that end scene actually fulfills um, another part of the notion that the, the Prometheus mythology was um, heavily used when constructing some of the, the relationships in the game, I think, importantly. Um, yeah. Because uh, Epimetheus is one of Prometheus's brothers, who is known as being clumsy and lamenting his decisions, and that's that's Wheatley in this in this parable of of the myth, I guess. Okay. Um, so yeah, yeah, that that seems a nice wrap up of of that particular through line. So, um, yeah. but a sweet ending, I think overall, and certainly uh, you know multiple scenes of satisfaction. Um, I think you know they, there's there's yeah quite quite a reward for finishing a game is uh, all the stuff you get. Um, another thing I wanted to mention, well, I did mention it briefly earlier, is the song that The National composed for the game. It was a weird one because I had no idea about this. I was a fan of The National already for many years before I played this game. I had no idea they'd done a song for it. Um, found the second Ratman Den, and there's a radio in there, like the one that's playing the, the sort of elevator music version of Still Alive in the first game, and there's one to be found in, in this game too. Um, and I was like, hang on, that, 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 that is unmistakably Matt Berninger's voice, and that, that music is unmistakably the national, and I had no idea that they'd, um, they'd done this set song, and it's, you know, it's very much up to the standards of songs that they would put on, on their records. Um, so that's a fantastic treat as well. Um, but yes, it, you know, in terms of that is one of uh, many Easter eggs. There was a, a Super um, Games Radar 
article um, going into depth with with uh, many of the Easter eggs buried away in this game. Them, I think yeah. thirty Easter eggs, yeah. possibly you know, possibly more. Um, I think the, the the most extraordinary ones, as well as all these allusions to yeah, Prometheus and Schrodinger yeah. and various other things. Um, the one that you uh, Glados fires a load of junk at you, which includes a radio, um, which is I think that's the one that's playing they're still alive um, then you take that you pick that up you take it into a, a hidden room yeah. which is a Ratman den then it plays a special tune which if you load up a certain piece of software um, the audio decoder of some kind on your computer yeah. it generates an image of a companion cube on the moon <laughs> Th- this plays into like the, the ARG stuff that was going on beforehand where there were signals okay. that you had to you had to decode and modulate in certain ways. I I didn't get look in too much depth into it, but yeah, you had to do a lot of audio fiddling with um with software and uh, try to decode certain signals and whatnot. Um, so yeah, that that plays into that, and I think that was a nice payoff for people who were involved with ARG as well. Uh, there's the fact that when you go through the the old room full of abandoned uh, bring your child to work day science projects, the the one that the potato that has sprouted into a giant um, potato plant was by Chell uh, as a stuff. child. Dad snuck out from work. <laughs> I think yeah. is the way it's worded, which is really nice. Nice way of which again, um, you know, implies that she wasn't just a another test subject. She was the offspring of yeah. people who worked at the facility. Uh, yeah, and and loads more. Obviously, the Borealis from the Half Life games. Yeah. Um, yeah. There's a there's a hidden picture of a cave with the woman who is probably Carolyn, who he probably had a relationship with. Um, little pictures of um, Prometheus hidden away, things like this. There's, there's absolutely yeah. tons of it, I, I, and, uh, and yeah, tons of achievements and trophies that that tie in with a lot of this stuff as well. Well worth seeking out. Just so much stuff in there oh i know one i know one uh the the turret that's on the conveyor belt that's being sent to um (laughs) be uh, yeah uh, if you rescue that it gives you a load of um hints about things that are yet to come slightly oblique but yeah all that stuff just rich and full of things to to see and do that co-op then we didn't talk about this in our histories um i played it very much in the first week with uh with our own darren foreman um we played it over one long and one very short session um and i think we enjoyed it you know uh i don't think it stayed with me as long as the uh, i haven't replayed it um i was going to play it with with uh, the, our own darren Gargett, but uh, he's had pc troubles so i haven't been back to it um i remember there being one absolute highlight which is covered in the de- developer commentary which is the room where you have to work out that you both have to fling yourselves across the room at the same time and hit each other in midair <laughs> to yeah. to solve the puzzle I, you know i thought that was a work of genius and hearing the developer commentary um explaining how they ended up with the room being exactly like it was because otherwise people couldn't do it um you know and and the way they went the way they shaped it through testing to get to this point where people said it was this amazing when they solved it it was like a proper you know punch the air moment and you can actually do all the the high-fiving and the and the various emotes between the two droids atlas and peabody who are kind of laurel and hardy uh (laughs) r2 and 3po figures um yeah I, i remember having fun with it it was it was short and straightforward but a nice, really nice addition, I thought. I I really love the co-op. Actually, yeah. um, I I 
the thing I love most about the single player campaign is the story stuff and the writing and the and uh, all that stuff. Uh, I I really like the gameplay too, but I think the co-op highlights um a lot of the uh, mechanic strengths and they're f- they're freed up because it's not about the narrative with the co-op. It's much more about just giving the players challenging uh, levels. Uh, they're freed up to make them more difficult and more head scratching, and I, I found I found myself really enjoying this. I played this with um, James the Midgemeister Perkins from Gameverse. Oh, blimey. okay. Um, and here's the thing: I've played Left for Dead for him, and it's impossible. Um, yeah. It's massively frustrating to play Left for Dead with uh, James Perkins, but I actually found it really enjoyable mm. uh, playing uh, Portal Two with him because. For whatever reason, our two approaches to uh, the puzzles really complemented each other. So my approach is when I go into a puzzle room, I just look around and observe the environment. Mm, And mm. James's approach is to immediately start everything, try everything. (laughs) But that that really worked because what what happened was I uh, ended up being like the observer and he would be the guy who tried things out. And it was... Like easier for us to figure things out together mm. because we took on these two different roles, hmm. um, and uh, yeah, I really ended up loving my experience with James. It's the only time I've enjoyed playing a co-op <laughs> game with James. Oh, yeah. that's true. Um, <laughs> but um, uh, yeah, it uh, it was really great. I, I think it's absolutely essential that you play the co-op for the first time with somebody who's never played it before yeah. as well. Because yeah. if you play... And I found this with somebody... Because somebody asked me to play the co-op with them. And what ended up happening was I said, go here, do that, yeah. put the yeah. portal here. And I realised halfway through, like, this is not fun yeah, for the other you're, person. You're also, I'm just telling them what to do. You also get caught up in that, well, do I tell them what to do? Or do I be really... No. And just then you'll be kind and you don't have the the co-op element so you don't have you two of you working in tandem to try to work something out you have one person being very quiet because they know the mm-hmm. answer and another person just being frustrated because they haven't got that communications of until eventually we go oh fine I'll just tell you and it, it breaks down there's almost no replay value in, in the, the co-op purely because unless two of you played it both together and you, you know, you've played it before and you're just going through the motions but I think that first that first playthrough is important you have somebody that has never played it before I, I, I played it through with uh, Alex Shaw of Digital Drift um, and you know we were doing Digital Cowboys at that point and yeah. um, you know Alex's style is rather forceful must kind of just get through area now where I you know I'm a bit more kind of sit back and, and observe and, and maybe you know similar to what uh, the, um, James maybe you know it would be like James and me playing it, it was just a, a very different approach and you needed those kind of two attitudes mm-hmm. to actually examine each puzzle so I think it was more than alright I think it was um, you know really really highly entertaining and the fact that they, you have four portals, and I was talking you, rather than just an, an entrance and exit. You now have two entrances and two exits, and you can do multiple different combinations of stuff. It it does add a lot more um, variety to the puzzles, and I think the puzzles section of the game really shines through in the co-op. Unfortunately, it's kind of a one-trick pony. <laughs> it happens once, and then that's kind of it. But I found that the single player is a bit more kind of engaging for longer afterwards. Yeah. And that's the really curious thing about the fact that one of the achievements I seem to remember is to play with someone who has never played 
Portal 2 once you have completed co-op, which seems like such a ridiculous yes, stupid achievement, yeah, achievement. To, to try and invite people because there, there was a, a, a for a reasonably long time on um, achievements websites um threads where people were asking if anyone hasn't i mean literally has not played the game you, yeah <laughs> yeah, um, yeah so that that seemed really bizarre uh, interestingly um my experience with with co-op um was with um, a, a university friend of mine, very good friend of mine called uh, Graham Mason, and we hopped on and we didn't have significantly different approaches like uh, Josh and, and James did or Tony and, and Alex. Um, but simply having different perspectives, and I mean physical perspectives in the room, what it meant was, even though we were both fairly contemplative about it, we would be suggesting things to one another. Um, so try putting a portal here, you know, oh, I can see somewhere up here, maybe we can do that. Um, but what we almost always found was we went into one room and one of us would have a breakthrough in that room, mm-hmm. we would kind of solve it. And then in the next room, it, it it didn't necessarily follow that was always one person doing that, just because of where you were standing or because of a suggestion one person made and you built upon. Um, it just meant that it really felt like you were helping one another you know you were giving a leg up to one another as it were um and just yeah really wonderful um experience they, they do a good job I as think. well of, of you laying markers down for each other you can say you know look here rather than just saying well it's a bit over there a bit to the right that you can point lay a marker down I'm yeah, looking at this precise yeah, yeah. point um that's and, where we need to go shoot yeah, and absolutely. and the brilliant moments where you you need to count down like three two one both jump in or engage a portal at that time for that result to happen then and so yeah you know, i think the, the gameplay stuff really shines through um and i think that yeah it's just because they have more options what they're allowed to do um well, yeah or, or that moment where you both need to win three rock paper scissors in a row and, <laughs> and one of you me gets it very early and the other person it takes forever. ages and ages for it to pop just because it's random unfortunately but uh yeah now uh for some uh, fuller correspondence about the whole package that is Portal 2 from the forum, com slash forum. Or you can email us, canerince at gmail.com. Uh, this is uh, Xavier Shandy's conclusion to his mail. He says, all in all, I think this game is incredibly strong. The humour in both the single and multiplayer is well-written and perfectly timed. Ellen McLean's performance is even stronger in this game than in the first, since GLaDOS is allowed to grow and change following the destruction of the personality spheres in the first game. Steve Merchant does an excellent job as Wheatley, providing a surprisingly effective foil to GLaDOS through sheer idiocy. My favourite performance was J.K. Simmons as the mad inventor Cave Johnson. His character worked so well as the creator of Aperture Science, and it was easy to see how his vision could, would cause a shower curtain company to progress to the aperture we know today my favourite moment was the part where he kills you the marriage of audio cue chapter title and random achievement had me laughing I wondered how that played out on PS3 this is me interjecting um, because the trophy pop is so much later than in my experience than the uh, 360 or Steam achievement pop I wonder if they managed to get that working and back to Xavier Shandy. The puzzles are well designed, but in no way unfair to the player, requiring no small amount of critical thinking and ma- uh, mental dexterity. The addition of the new elements, like the excursion funnel and the various gels, really helped to exchange the gameplay between puzzles. The multiplayer gameplay was excellent as well, offering new challenges that made you feel twice as accomplished when they were completed. Even the DLC multiplayer edition art therapy was well made and served to remind me of how much I loved this game many months after I completed it. 
All in all, I adore this game. Everything leading up to its release only served to prime my interest in what has become, without a doubt, my favourite game of all time. I've beaten it at least half a dozen times and plan to return to it for years to come. Maybe I should have saved that bit for last. His favourite game of all time. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, Bakers12 says, I think Portal 2 is a unique game in regards that I can't think of any negative points to it. The gameplay is picked perfect, building upon the first game. Improved story that is funny and touching. Voice cast that is spot on. A soundtrack that sounds like a mix of John Barry and Daft Punk. Mm. Valve released three volumes of the soundtrack for free too, and gets played a lot on my commutes. Thinking about it, I have only one negative. It has an end. I could have flew, plummeted, shoot, and painted my way through Portal's world forever. For science. Yeah, we didn't mention Mike Morazki's actual soundtrack, uh, but uh, I, I'm a fan. I like it very much. Um, it uh, has, uh, it manages to keep that um, the atmosphere consistent throughout, and I really like the way that they they uh, they did the thing of tying um, sort of how far through the solution of a puzzle you are to the music um, in very subtle ways. Mm. Um, and the fact that each uh, being, you know, being pinged in the air or, or sliding on the, the, the frictionless gel, whichever one that is, um, has has a kind of audio sting to it. But um, yeah, the actual, the ambient music the soundtrack is, some, I, I really like the sound of it. Um, I'd, I'd, yeah, John Barry and Daft Punk, as good a comparison as any. Um, there's, there's themes for, obviously, GLaDOS, but for some of the... Um her particularly, her theme stood out, but there's certain music plays just and sets the tone for what you're expecting to find when you're walking through some of the corridors early on, and and it it just lets you know you're about to hear Glados's voice, and that puts that tension in in you, you know, because at that point in the game, obviously you're, uh, in, well, I was incredibly scared of her and what she can do <laughs> and what she may do. So, um, yeah, the music set the Our sound production is always great, isn't it? You, yeah. We talked about in Half-Life how the, you know, elements of that you just stick in your mind. You just yeah. instantly, instantaneously yeah. know it's a, from a Half-Life game. I think the Portal series have, has already got that. Um, yeah. you know, just little bits like Gladys's noise and the, and the turrets and, yeah, even the Portal gun noise. Oh. Electric Crocosaurus says, Portal 2 is an odd one. It did everything that a sequel should do, expanding the universe, introducing new ideas, never losing sight of what made the first one great. Yet, because the first game was so fresh, the sequel doesn't stick in my mind in the same way. Wheatley was a fantastic comic creation, and Stephen Merchant and J.K. Simmons were inspired choices for their respective roles. The script was just as funny and sharp as the original, and there was a suitable expansion of gameplay around the portal gun. I won't spoil the ending, we've already done that for you, Um, but I thought the lunar element was ingenious. Even the Source engine, already showing its age, was made beautiful all over again by Valve's retro sci-fi art design. It just boils down to that entirely subjective X factor that differentiates excellent games from the ones you love. Portal 2 is in many ways a superior game to Portal 1, but it doesn't have the place in my heart that the original does. Flavio, my mind is pretty split on Portal 2. On one hand, you have some of the best writing in video games history. Comedy in games is extremely hard, as so much of it is in the timing, which you have less control over in the game, where the player can do what they want. It's telling that some of the best comedy moments in the game are in sections where the player has only limited control. 
On the other hand, the game feels far more linear than its predecessor. There seems to be much more signposting and even more hand-holding compared to the more freedom, free-form approach that the first game had. Too often, the solution to a puzzle here is find a service you can stick a portal on rather than find where the portal needs to be. It's still a great game, but the years have diminished it in my mind. Fair enough, Mr. Fabio. Tadinho says, After Portal, my expectations were in the roof when the sequel was announced, and unlike most cases, my expectations not only were completely met, but even exceeded them. They took everything good about the first game and just expanded it in the sequel. For starters, it's a much longer game, but even then the game is still perfectly paced and the difficulty curve remains intact. The dialogue and humour is still top-notch and the inclusion of multiplayer was one of the best decisions they made. If I had anything bad to say about Portal 2 is maybe that Valve tried to appeal too much to the fans and part of the charm of the world was lost in the process, especially by having GLaDOS as your sidekick and having a backstory. But if the worst thing I can say about Portal 2 is that it plays a bit safe and does too much fan service at times, then I guess there's nothing really wrong with it. Uh, Nekimancer says, Portal 2 hit me at a very different phase in my life. I got the first one when I was visiting family for Christmas and had nothing but time to play it two times through, with an extra bit past that. When I got Portal 2, I was married and working two jobs leaving not nearly as much time for games. In addition to that, my wife has extreme sensitivity to first-person perspective games and suffers motion sickness within moments with a a common shooter. With Portal, all she had to do was glance at it and she'd need to lie down. So I played through it just once, pretty much as quickly as possible, which probably messes with my perspective some, and only about 30 minutes of co-op. Graphically, it's incredible. They did a wonderful job world-building and reminding you of the old lab while simultaneously making it all new. However, I felt the environmental puzzles were a bit weaker here. In particular, the puzzles and travel between main puzzles quickly devolved into a game of find the one square a portable stick to and go there, then repeat mode of puzzle solving. None of them really stand out to me as enjoyable or fun, and I can remember getting stuck until I did manage to find that one portable spot. I did really enjoy the physics and goo puzzles, and most of the main puzzles were fun enough to solve. Probably the most fun I had was painting one entire area white and doing silly things with portals there near the end. I really feel like they could have and should have done more with that sort of thing. Sure, it makes the puzzles very easy when you can do anything and go everywhere in the environment, but that freedom is part of the fun. Portal 1 struck me as a game where there was a single fastest solution, but a couple workable ones on most of the puzzles. Portal 2 felt like I was finding the one solution each time. Granted, there were probably more I missed, but it's just how how it felt. The addition of other characters struck me as really odd at first, but the writing is spot on for every one of them, and I do include the turrets as actual characters now as well. They're probably my favourites, just from the one bit in the production segment. The potato twist was just shy of the too silly mark and worked for me. There are a couple of really standout moments. The final boss was much better than in the first game. The turret production bit had my wife and me laughing incredibly hard, Everything about Cave Johnson. Space, not to mention that the voice acting was spectacular. Portal 1 was incredibly dense on the amount of awesome to game ratio. Portal 2 has just as much awesome, but it's spread across more game. It had more time for weakness to show through, and I feel that it did. An excellent game, but I can only imagine how intimidating and difficult it would have been to be the follow-up to Portal 1. Definitely worth the buy for anyone who enjoyed the first, or for anyone who likes puzzle games. 
or anyone who likes video games. <laughs> Fair enough. Yes, a couple of uh, comments there about um, either yeah perceived lack of of variety in the solutions, um, and I, I kind of I think. The, I, if I'd just played it through the once that first time, I would have agreed with that more. But playing through it again, I like—I don't know—I I felt like there was a good deal of variety of of puzzles and and plenty that weren't okay. Uh, you know, there there were sections of you know find the portable surface, but there were so many actual puzzle type puzzles in there that they, they more than kind of yeah they the, those those negative moments were very diluted in there. Um, yeah. And I do sort of also agree that maybe they could have made more of certain elements and the combination of elements but i also think that that could have ended up messing with what felt like a really smooth difficulty yeah, curve that's quite so a difficult thing to do potentially yeah um, i think mm. necromancer's right in saying that it's it's mainly the traversal sections that feel quite linear because you yeah. do have to get to that door and there's a couple of spots where there's clearly a door there with a light hanging over it as valve often do um, and it is just a case of right. How am I supposed to get there? Because that's clearly where I'm going, and there's only one way to do it. So, yeah. Okay, uh, we have uh, a selection of three-word reviews from Twitter. You can follow us at Kane and Rince. A Glen Watts, funnier yet lesser. Alan Wilkinson loved every second. Luke Parkinson, merchant is funny. Rich Woodward, ruined by Merchant. The Sniper Gecko. Stephen Merchant, legend. Paul Watson, Wheatley, you asshole. Mark Hammer, Potato Battery GLaDOS. Xavier Fox Shandy, science is fun. Catatonic Gnarly, physics bending comedy. John Lloyd, disconnected story, puzzles. Tat Sun, Potatoes Powering Science. Antbait. Wheel successfully reinvented. Stephen Thompson Jones. Expanded, extended, exceptional. Uh, Martin Baker, Mike Dixon. Space, space, space. That's, uh, uh, yeah. There were only two. I, I started li- listing all the people who'd done that, but it, it ended up as only well, Martin and Mike. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> Thank you very much, everybody. Uh, so to summarise, then uh, again, it's, this is one of those games that I feel like everyone played, and certainly everyone who's listened this far in the podcast has probably played. But just sum up your feelings, Tony. Um, much the same as the Necromancer. I, 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 I really liked Portal One, um, but I, it was short, and it was probably maybe it was perfectly formed. But going into Portal Two, I liked the fact that. Ex- expanded universe I think the problem with that and I think he, he talks about it he highlights it in his correspondence is that I, I think the gameplay then is stretched over a longer period of time and I don't think it 100% um, manages to, to transfer to a 10 to 12 hour game I think they do a great job with um, the different elements you know, add in the, the light beams etc and the the gel is a is a much needed addition because i think without those it, it would have been you know quite a i think you know quite a i'd say a boring game but you know it, it would have needed extra elements and i think they were clever to add those stuff but i also think maybe they could have taken it further with the gel stuff um i felt like maybe that stuff could have been introduced a lot earlier into the game it seems to have come and then went pretty <laughs> pretty fast um but 
the the thing that I I go back to Portal Two is is the gameplay is fun and rewarding and you know I'm happy to work for it. But I just I love one the environment, but two the writing. It's the writing is the thing that takes me through Portal Two, and um, the second time was was you know no no different i i thoroughly enjoyed the jokes again i do like weekly as a character i know it doesn't suit some but there is those moments in the gameplay where i went to do stuff and you know he tricked with me to tell me not to do it and i had a reaction and there's not many games where i can think i was interacting with the game in in a kind of fun way like that so for me i think portal 2 is a success in writing and that's pretty hard thing to say sometimes in games you know it's one of the the elements which seems to be pushed to one side less of an issue now or less of a, a bigger issue now but um you know it, i think it, it needs to be rewarded for that gameplay wise i think you know that stuff was was probably better suited to the multiplayer um uh, and i always say this and you said this on the portal one show it's funny because i think i would want a harder portal game but when it comes down to those harder levels that and they put in my face, I tend to not play them, and I don't know why that is. Maybe maybe I'm just yeah. I actually don't want exactly what I want. So um, yeah, I I I really do like Portal Two. I think sometimes it's unfashionable to like certain games. I think Valve games are one of those you know some of those ones that always come into to vogue. But I I, I thoroughly enjoyed uh, Portal Two my first run through, and equally I loved it the second time through which is sometimes the one we have to be a bit careful with so it gets a, a big thumbs up for me really good yeah I love Valve because I love what they do uh, I don't love Valve for any other reason than their games make me very happy and uh, the things they make appeal to lots of the things that I like about video games um, and and life in general um, and Portal 2 I think I still uh, I do empathize with with our correspondents who said that they still feel that portal one was a bit more you know special somehow a bit more magical and the, and the fact that it was three hours kind of doesn't allow it to get tired at, at any point um and portal two does have you know a lot to do um to fill the 10 hours um and also i, I yeah i definitely i feel like i didn't want all the you know the kind of the answers answered that the portal 2 did but weirdly going back to it this time um i think i enjoyed it more the second time and i decided to well, i didn't even decide it just happened that i started to embrace the the fact that the universe had been fleshed out and i decided to you know to trust in valve's ability to write and deliver a story and of course aperture science is ludicrous it's a comedy game it's it's clearly you know there are there are dark subjects within it and and uh, and some you know deep emotional stuff going on especially if you kind of follow the the theories through but it is ultimately a funny game with with funny characters and yeah i like you know of course comedy isn't universal it is subjective but i feel like with with the portal games i, I don't remember hearing too many people say well I, it just wasn't funny i know maybe some people felt that way about wheatley but it feels like those you know the classic series like two to eight of the simpsons or whatever where just everybody loved it there was something in there for everyone and um 
you know, so in in that case, whereas a lot of the stuff I find funny, I would definitely recommend with caveats to other people. Say, well, I think it's funny, but you might not. I pro- I wouldn't have too many problems saying, you know, you you'll probably think Portal Two is is funny, but not only is it that, it's just a really really smart first person puzzle game. Um, so from it's worth playing from at least two points of view, and then you've got the spectacular presentation and you know great soundtrack on three levels with with uh, a, a real band providing a song jonathan court providing a song and 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 that soundtrack um and tons of jokes and tons of easter eggs hidden away and um yeah if you really haven't played it then do uh, definitely do if you haven't if you have played it at the time and haven't played it since i recommend playing replaying it because i i had a i had a really good time and i i like it more now than i did james um I find myself. This game's per. <laughs> this, this James, you you believe this video game is perfect? Oh, I'll come to that. I'll come to that. But first of all, <laughs> I want to say that this afternoon I was reading relatively in-depth discussions of Prometheus, Prometheus mythology and how it pertains to various characters in Portal Two. Uh, which is not a reach. I mean, it's there. It's in the game. We've talked about the names of the characters, Atlas obviously being one, um, and GLaDOS being Prometheus herself, Uh, although it seems like Chell might be in the beginning. It is actually GLaDOS. But um, I've also been reading pages on quantum physics and uh, Heisenberg's uncertainty principle. and uh, you're doing that anywhere on your lunch break. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I was doing it today... Not because it's necessary to enjoy, understand, or appreciate this game, Portal 2, but because there are enough threads, enough reasons given to you in the game to think that this is all important and intricate and part of what's going on. Schrodinger's Cat's mentioned. Um, now, arguably, each puzzle room is a is a box that, that has a person in who may or may not solve the puzzle and you'll never know, etc., etc., and comments on being observed and how GLaDOS interferes with the test subjects, yada, yada. It's actually not all that relevant. It's it's a nice touchstone and, um, and it's a nice thing to consider, much as Schrodinger's Cat is just... A, it's basically a joke. Uh, played at the expense of the understanding of quantum physics as it was when Schrodinger made the joke. Um, And there's lots of references, there's lots of metaphors can be made, and that's interesting but not necessary. And in some ways, I think that's what this game does. It it, it fuels conversation. Um, I've heard about Portal 2 and Portal being used in educational settings, um, and you would think it would be to teach problem solving and that kind of thing. But actually, when you play co-op with someone else, what Tony and what Josh mentioned, what you realise is what this actually teaches you about is about people's ways of learning. Um, it's not about, you know, solving the actual problem in front of you. It's about seeing how different people tackle it. And so as an educational tool, it's actually more informative for the person watching, not the person doing, because it tells you an awful lot about how someone goes about thinking of things. So you might get um, someone who is more scattershot and wants to uh, to try everything and you know do that sort of trial and error method or someone who's very um, observant and contemplative and thinks about before they do etc um i just thought that's that's incredibly interesting that there are all these ancillary aspects to portal 2 some of which you can get in any game there are there are metaphorical aspects can be drawn from lots of games um 
But in terms of educational, Minecraft, I think, is the only other game where we have talked about the educational value. Portal, certainly Valve received lots of communications, reportedly, um, from teachers and people involved with education who said they have used this game um, as part of a lesson or series of lessons, be they maths or science, or actually there's an argument for philosophy and that kind of thing, and and, um, and, and arguing a, a point, which is what I'm going to come on to now, which is when Tony and Alex did their Digital Cowboys show, part of the theme was Portal 2 is a perfect game discuss. Now, I played devil's advocate, let's be honest, but what I said about Portal 2 I think still holds true, and I was surprised to find that going back to it today, because in, uh, going back to it the weekend, sorry, because in some ways I feel like I've... I've not given Portal 2 its due since I played it because my argument for Portal 2 being the perfect game, it's obviously not a perfect game and that's perspective anyway. Someone could say it's the worst game ever made and that's their opinion, that's fine. But in terms of what Valve set out to do, I think versus the scope they laid out, that's my perception of their scope, albeit, I think they met that scope potentially by restricting themselves in some ways and adding to something they already had. I think they met that scope better than any other video game I have ever seen. They made something that is, I think, exactly what they set out to make. Now, that may mm. not ring true in the ears of the people who made the game, but they made, they gave a narrow focus. They restricted the player and what they could do. They have restrictive environments, but what that allows them to do is do what they do best, which is using level design and environment to inform the player um have you know having a sequential difficulty curve through the game where you are learning things about um not just the environment but about what you can do in the environment um and so going through this game i afterwards was was cautioned or or want to think that in some ways you could make an argument for it being the perfect game in that it whether you like it or not, it it feels to me exactly like what or exactly what Valve set out to do, set out to make. They wanted a bigger scope, a bigger story, um, but they kept the focus just as sharp as Portal for me. Um, even with the narrative stuff in there that could have kind of meandered and gone about, etc. I felt like this was just what Valve wanted, you know. Um, I know that's a rambling explanation and it's definitely me playing devil's advocate and being, no, being fairly picky in my definition of perfect here. Hmm. I'm not saying it's a perfect game. If such a thing existed, we would stop making and playing games because it would never be topped. It's like <laughs> the runner who has the perfect race. Well, they never run again because it does not get better. If anyone says something's perfect, that's it. We're done. Um, that's not the case. But I, I like... I liked that argument at the time, and going back to the game now, I think it still stands. I think Portal Two is exactly what it it meant to be. Indeed, well said. Uh, and let's conclude with Joshua. Um, I've had a lot of time to mull over my feelings on Portal Two while we were doing our summaries. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and um, um. And I've played the game several times. Um, I think um, I've played it like five or six times at this point. I, I think it's a masterpiece, which I know veers on uh, the hyperbolic, but um, I, I just it, 
I I struggle to think of many negative points in the game. Um, apart from the stuff I discussed at the beginning, where a lot of the setup for the story is linked to a comic book, I think everything that follows that is really great stuff. The, the writing in this game, Tony already mentioned, is. Um, so far ahead of what most games are doing right now um, and it's the kind of comedy that I like and very few games that tout themselves as comedic games tickle my comedy organ yeah. um, I don't like for example I don't find a truck that fires poop at buildings in Saints Row funny I find a robot that's insecure about his intelligence and decides to play classical music in the ba- background really funny. Um, Just caught me reading now. <laughs> yeah. It's not the right accent, is it? Never mind. I, I think Ellen McLean's performance as GLaDOS is one of the better vocal performances I've heard in a video game. Um, like right up there with some of the stuff I've uh, heard in Naughty Dog and other Valve games. Um, I, yeah, I think this is second only to Half Life Two in um, all of the games that Valve have made for me. Um, it just, as James said, I, I think it achieves everything it sets out to do, and. Um, yeah, it's stuck in my memory uh, in a way that a lot of games this generation haven't. Um, I adore it. And the co-op is just the cherry on the cake for me. Um, uh, increased focus on challenging level design and, you know, with a friend who's, you know, you can laugh with and, and mess about with. And or failing have that, that James ha- Midgemeister Perkins. <laughs> yeah, but having that aha moment in unison with somebody else yeah. um, is really special. Um, I love this game. I, I, I love Portal 2. Well, thank you, Josh, uh, and everyone for your summaries. We've run long, of course. We knew we would with this one, uh, as, as I suspected. Uh, a lot to talk about, and we possibly only brushed across the surface of much of it. But, uh, yeah, it's amazing how quickly the time goes. It just remains for me, Leon Cox, to thank Tony, James and Josh. And next time in issue 131, Carl J. James and Brian will sport tuxedos and henna to two barcodes for Assassination Fest Hitman Blood Money. I suppose I should say something like, and now I just want you gone like a cheesy DJ. Uh, But I won't. Remember when you tried to kill me twice? Oh, how we laughed and laughed, except I wasn't laughing. Under the circumstances, I've been shockingly nice. You want your freedom to That's what I'm counting on. I used to is heavy. Now little Carolyn is in you too. One day they woke me up so I could live forever. It's such a shame the same will never happen to you. You got your
Did you think I meant you? That would be funny if it weren't so sad. Well, you have been replaced. I don't need anyone now. When I delete you, maybe I'll start feeling so bad. Don't make some new disaster. That's what I'm counting on. You're someone else. 